Hello and welcome to another episode of Sticks in the Six. We're episode 11 now, Peter. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, and here, obviously, with Peter Barracchini. How's it going, Hello. Peter? I'm doing good. I mean, time flies, eh? Already, I mean, last it's just, I mean, last week we just did episode 10 and we seemed like we had like two hours of content to talk about last week and now already uh, episode 11. Things are, it, again, time is flying. I, I really can't believe it. Yeah, and hey, shout out to everybody who's been listening because, I mean, like, you've got two fans here who kind of going through and we talk for, you know, two hours at a time about uh, all kinds of hockey stuff and even even some random th- throw-ins here and there. But, you know, to have you guys continually stick around and listen to the, the episodes, um, you know, it's just, it's awesome for us. It's awesome. We can keep this going. And, um, yeah, I mean, time does really fly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, I'm really thankful for you know, with you and to everybody that is tuned in right now. Thank you so much. I know I like not to not not to like boast about the podcast, but I just recently saw that the latest episode, episode ten, was one of the most listened to on Apple, or it's, it's like the popularity was high for episode ten on Apple Podcasts. So. We really appreciate it. Really appreciate the support from everybody. And we're just going to keep on going with this. Yeah. Another thing to consider is like the more you guys listen, the more we get to get, you know, solid guests on here, right? Like we mm-hmm. want to do the best we can to get you guys, you know, some of the people you want to hear from. So if we can get this podcast kind of running through, you know, tell your friends, tell your friends about this podcast because um, we want to get some some solid uh, some solid guests on here for you and and keep this show running. You remember the show Tales from the Crypt Keeper, how they always start the story off? It happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Listen to this podcast. It's, uh, you know, you hear from a friend of a friend of mine. It's pretty good, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, getting into, we'll, we'll start off right away with uh, hockey news. We got we got tons to go through again today. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of lots more signings, lots more offseason stuff. Some goalie news seems to be the continuous story that never ends here on the, on the pod is goalie news, but... Um, we'll start off with a few, few trades in the off season. Again, uh, Devin Taves traded from the New York Islanders to the Colorado Avalanche for two second round picks, one in 2021, one in 2022, uh, Taves recently filed for arbitration. Um, so obviously he'll still do that as an RFA, but, um, yeah, good move or a bad move for the Islanders. Good move in a sense that they got two second round picks, right? I mean, it's still a really great return considering, you know, teams still want to, like, accumulate assets, especially nowadays where, you know, contracts could be going in and out. You want to get players two or three years down the line that could easily come in and possibly help you out. But, again, Joe Sackick, man, just flexing his, like, muscles on, like, trying to get great talent. And I think... As good as of a return it was for the Islanders, the Avs just came out on top with this one, I think. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And there's been so much talk around the league about how well uh, Sackett's been running the show in uh, in Colorado. And obviously, like you said, trying to, trying to you know, get all these assets and, and create a, a 
continuous contender year in year out and man this team's gonna be tough to play against um oh yeah i i'm i'm really glad the leafs are not in the uh are not in the the, western conference yeah because it's gonna be uh it's gonna be frightening to play against the the abs right now especially if they're they're coming in healthy like that like it's just uh you know it it, they're gonna be they're gonna be hard to play against yeah and it's difficult with the islanders i mean obviously Colorado right now is going to be tough against. I mean, if you look at their defense right now, Graves and McCarr anchors your first pairing. Eric Johnson and Sam Girard, your second. Ian Cole and Devin Tays. That is excellent depth right now. I'm not even adding in uh, Bowen Byram. I'm not adding in um, Connor Timmins, who are like still two up-and-coming defensemen right now. That depth right there, that's the defense that will win you championships. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And uh, yeah, obviously, you know, a move need to be made made by the the Islanders, and mm-hmm. and they did that. But um, yeah, it's just uh, you know, I think I think it's a good move by the the Avs. They add that depth, like we talked about with the Leafs last week. They've added some depth, and uh, you know, I think it's a it's a great move for for uh, Sakic and the uh, the, the Avs. And after watching Devin Tays in the playoffs, I immediately thought, how is this going to work out for the uh, the Islanders? I mean, you still got to resign uh, Ryan Pollock. Matt Barzell's in RFA. They need to be locked up. So obviously, you know, there has to be a casualty, right? And Devin Tays was ultimately it. But again, this whole, you could have had possibly all three signed if, you know, Nick Letty wasn't making, you know, his uh, amount you wouldn't have Johnny Boychuk making his amount. Uh, Boychuk's making $6 million, Letty 5.5. Both are UFAs at the end of 2022-2023, or for that season. If you were able, That's $11.5 million right there. If you were to clear out maybe one of the two, or two if you can, then your defense would probably be anchored down by Pollock, Taze, and Adam Pellick, who all three were really good for them during this playoff run and even the whole season. Noel Dobson is on a his entry level contract, so it just Taze proved that he could be a steady two A defenseman. It's just bad timing that it had to happen where other RFAs are in priority over him. Yeah, no, and obviously like the Islanders don't want to lose an asset like that as well. But mm-hmm. you know, it comes down to just affordability and, and with the cap, we've talked about it a number of times already. I think with the cap so stale um for for it to for for teams to kind of fit everybody in it's just going to be a lot tougher over the next couple of years yeah if again if you know the pandemic didn't happen obviously cap would have gone up teams would have more flexibility and they could still give out the dollar figures that they wanted so again sign of the times but you know the team was handcuffed and it was uh colorado's game so yeah um moving on from that uh Another interesting trade. Obviously, Nate Schmidt was moved so that the uh, Vegas Golden Knights could make room for Alex Petrangelo. Um, Nate, Nate Schmidt's off to Vancouver for a third-round pick um, in 2022. So kind of uh, a shuffling of, of contracts again uh, in, in this case with the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, they lose a major asset in Nate Schmidt, a guy who can really uh, – add some flavor to the offensive end 
um, 31 points last season in 59 regular season games. Uh, and he also added nine points in 20 uh, playoff games with the Golden Knights this this year. Um, obviously an emotional trade for him, but uh, I think another great add by uh, by the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and I honestly think that this trade helps him out. I mean, yeah, they lost Chris Tanev on the back end, but man, how awesome would it be to see? And I mentioned this on our the recent uh, the Hockey Writers Live. I talked about you know how Vancouver possibly was probably one of the better teams getting Braden Holpe and acquiring you know Nate Schmidt because he's a solid two way defenseman. I mean, if you look at his underlying numbers. Um, He's uh, above 50% in terms of Corsi 4 and gold 4 percentage at 5 on 5. This guy is a real threat, but he's also like, you know, reliable on his own end. And to have somebody like him play alongside Quinn Hughes, I, if I'm a Canucks fan, I am really excited for that pairing right now. Yeah, I know, 100%. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, I think it's a great ad by the Canucks. Um, obviously, he's a guy that plays tough, uh, isn't afraid to get physical and you know, for a team that already surprised a number of people last year, uh, for them to add a guy like Nate Schmidt, it just it it really exemplifies what this team's all about and what they're trying to do. So, I think it's a great uh, great follow on the on the West Coast if you're out there and and, and you're uh, trying to find a team to pick. I mean, Vancouver's on the way up, so definitely definitely, definitely look at them. And uh, you know, the ad with the ad of uh, Nate Schmidt is just a, a big move for them, and and for so cheap as well, but. Obviously, Vegas need to move him, and and they just wanted uh, to to try and get him as far yeah. away as possible, I guess. And I get and losing Kristanov like you know hurts him because you know he had that he he kind of had that relationship with some of the younger guys on the team. He wanted to be a part of it, but I think he still get that veteran presence. Who you know Nate Schmidt has gone, you know, pretty deep in the playoffs with the Golden Knights. So you know what to have him as sort of the. I mean, he's only twenty nine, but to have that playoff experience on a young team after what happened this year i mean you don't know what you don't know what could happen but they could make a d another d playoff run so yeah. that's a really really good <clears throat> trade and to only you know give up a third rounder in the process for a top four d man i would probably take that yeah no and uh I just kind of going off of how emotional it was for Schmidt. Uh, he did. He was quoted saying, "It's a fresh wound right now, so emotions are running in every direction." Uh, it was hard given the previous communication of the past uh, from management versus what has happened, but it's a new beginning, and I'm really looking forward to it. So obviously, a little bit of miscommunication there from from the uh, the Golden Knights management team. Um, uh, looks like, or it sounds like Schmidt uh, thought he was sticking around for the long run. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, when you get a chance to sign a guy like Petrangelo, uh, yeah. and you go out and do it, you're gonna have to move some assets. And that just, uh, it, it looks like Schmidt was kind of like, you know, the the odd man out in this one. So, and it's not to say that, like, you know, when you move a player, you know, it's always like what's best for the team and everything like that. Also, if he wasn't performing as well, it's not that Schmidt, uh, Schmidt wasn't performing well. He was one of their like top, again, one of their go-to D-men. Like you said, his uh, cap hit was almost at $6 million, uh, 5.95. So, yeah, if you got to uh, clear that up to clear up one of the, or you got to clear that up in order to sign one of the top free agents. And, and if he was continuing you know what? Down, if he was continuing down that road, too, he was going to get paid by the Knights. 
Oh, yeah. He was definitely going to earn maybe 6.5, 7. He was definitely going to get an increase on what he was making right now. Um, then again, he would become a UFA uh, for the 2025-26 season. And, you know, at that point, he would probably be into his mid-30s right now. So that's at the point where teams may be wary about giving high value for, you know, someone in the mid-30s who could possibly decline sooner rather than later. So he could, he, he definitely could have got a good contract. But you know what? For what he's making right now, it's, it's still really great. And it goes well for the Canucks to help out uh, Quinn Hughes right now. So... I'm all for it. I thought this was a really great trade. Going, sticking with the Golden Knights for a second, uh, we talked a lot about the goaltending situation there and uh, Robin Leiner's obviously signing a, a big co- ticket mm-hmm. uh, this offseason with them. Uh, there was a lot of discussion of whether Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be moved. GM Kelly McCrimmon put that to rest uh, this week, saying, we see the goaltending position being incredibly important this year. Our goalies will be Robin and Marc-Andre. We all expect a schedule that's going to be extremely compressed. Uh, did we look at any number of possibilities? Sure, we did. But this was, at the end of the day, the decisions that are made to move forward. So, not moving Mark andre Fleury. They've got Robin mm-hmm. Lehner. Kind of ties into why you had to move a guy like Nate Schmidt to move or to, to acquire Alex Petrangelo. You have a lot of money right now locked up in your goaltenders. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, we, we discussed the, the potential or, or the rumors that were swirling around flurry and him being moved. And, you know, we had mentioned the Leafs being a possible, possible destination, but in the end, he's sticking around, um, good move or bad move for the golden Knights. I mean, you want goaltending death, especially nowadays. So to have two capable starters, it's really good, but We've seen times where people have brought it or where teams have brought in two starting goaltenders and it just maybe didn't quite work out as they expected to have like a 1A, 1B kind of situation. So I'm interested to see how this works out because like, I mean, going back on my original point, two starting goaltenders, one is probably going to be seeing more time than the other. And if the other is still like, let's say Leonard plays a stretch of like six, seven games. Flurry's on the bench, he comes in, he might be a little bit rusty because, you know, he's been sitting on the bench. He hasn't seen a lot of game time, right? He could be out of sorts. Um, you rarely see this, again, you re- you hardly ever see a 1A, 1B situation, and it could have an impact down the line. But McCrimmon's a smart guy. I mean, we've seen what he's done in just a short amount of time, making moves, you know, moving out all the contracts in order to sign Petrangelo, he's a really great hockey mind and he's doing a really great job as general manager. So the fact that he thinks that with, you know, the schedule is going to be compressed, he thinks it could work to their advantage by having, you know, Robin Lehner and having Marc-Andre Fleury to go the distance. It, it very well might work. It's just, it's risky because you hardly ever see that. Yeah, I think short term it's a great, uh, great idea, especially with the the possibility of compressed uh, season next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you can kind of play them forty forty, and and you'll you'll get some pretty good numbers out of both of those guys. But I think as a long term solution, it's not going to work out. Yeah, I'm all for you know having a goalie that's going to push your starter to be the best that he can be. But when you have two guys that want to be the number one, 
that makes it a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I agree. I think Kelly McCrimmon has done a great job with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think every move that he's made, you see potential in this team getting better and better. <laughs> I just think at this point in time, you know, like I said, it might work for the one year. But eventually, like, Flurry's on the on the downslope of his career. Mm-hmm. He wants to play as much as he can right now. Get those numbers, you know, earn earn the bucks. I mean, in the, in the end, like, I'm sure he'd love to 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 secure himself another Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, you're talking about a likely Hall of Famer when he's done his career. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, I see him as wanting to play as much as he can because he knows that's that's the case. He knows he's coming to the end of his career. Why would you not want to put up as many you know wins or whatever it, it may be as you can at this point in time? So for him to share time next season, okay, maybe he maybe he can bite the bullet and, and do what he needs to do. But I don't see that as a long-term possibility. Yeah, I, and I totally agree. I think maybe next year they start exploring more of an opportunity to try and trade Flurry, um, given the fact that you know you're going to be possibly playing 82 games in like five, six months, if they even choose to go that, even if they play less. I, I don't know the full details of what's going to happen because they still, they have January 1st as a startup date. And if they choose to do a full 82 game season, great. This is a really good thing. But I'm not trying to compare, you know, Robin Lehner to Marc-Andre Fleury, but given given what the Leafs went through with, you know, James Reimer, who, you know, at the time, solidified himself as a starter and then they went and got Jonathan Bernier who thought he could be a starter and that just created a whole mess in the goaltending situation yeah it's great I know Flurry would want to see more time as a starter because you know that's been his role his entire life but when you have again like you said when you have two guys battling out for one spot to get more ice time it is you know it is a challenge and if they go through with this for you know more than one year then that is very risky but as of now I, like you want to go with it for one year go for go with it for one year see how it works out again but i just don't again like you i don't see it as a long-term situation yeah no and i just had to bring it up i mean like i said goalies have kind of been our topic for the last three weeks mm-hmm. so um just an interesting look and and uh, you know obviously we'll see how it works out for them but um moving forward there was a lot of signings to go through this week again yes um but uh we're gonna try and go through each one individually give these guys their their you know seven seconds on this podcast of uh fame <laughs> like they need more but um just for starters patrick marlowe back mm-hmm. in san jose uh one year deal seven hundred thousand. i like the move um Obviously, you know, they're kind of giving him what he wants uh, to come back and, and play and, and try and try and go after that coveted ring. And I'm sure at the deadline, if he's, he, you know, San Jose is not in a good spot, you'll see Marlowe moved again to try and mm-hmm. find that uh, that Stanley Cup uh, that he's been searching for. But um, I personally like the signing. I don't think there's any harm in signing a guy like Marlowe. He still has the speed. He can still keep up with the game. Maybe not as offensive as he once was, but certainly a, a veteran presence for, again, a young squad like he was in Toronto. Yeah, and and right now you can't help but cheer for him. I mean, he's like been a mainstay with San Jose for quite some time before coming over to Toronto. And, you know, you, you can't fault him for what happened in Toronto. I mean, you can't control 
how he was deployed as, you know, a top six when he should have been, you know, bottom six. You can't help the fact that, you know, he was getting more ice time than Austin Matthews in game seven. You can't help that fact, but you can you can understand the fact that, you know what, he is a hardworking player. He still has the speed, the stamina, and the durability. He's rarely missed any hardly any game time due to injuries, so he takes care of himself. And for him to go back to, you know, back to the Sharks, back to be a leader, and seeing some familiar faces and try and help them out to at least, you know, I, I don't consider the Sharks as a Stanley Cup team, but at least to try and maybe push for a playoff spot you can but um i mean you wish nothing but the best but like you said he can be moved at the deadline to another contender see what happens it's on a cheap contract it's not at like you know 6.8 million right now so you he is in a good spot if teams want like a contract for less than league minimum he's your guy right now yeah and i think like uh you know perfect example was last season and Doug Wilson's willing to move him for, you know, because he understands that he wants that ring. He understands mm-hmm. that he's, you know, he's nearing the end of his career. And, um, you know, it could be a team like Pittsburgh who wants a guy like uh, like Marlowe to come in and just play that bottom six role like he, you know, like he's able to do. On top of that, um, he, there's a very good chance that this season he passes the all-time games played record by uh, yes. Gordy Howe. Yes. Uh, and that just that just speaks to the durability, like you said, and uh, I think it's a great story. I, you know, it's not just because he played for the Leafs for a couple of years, but uh, you know, he's a guy that you definitely cheer for. Um, obviously, you see the relationship that his kids had with some of the younger guys in the mm-hmm. league. Um, it's just a, it, it, all around, it's a great story, and I, I me personally, I hope Marlo is able to secure that cup. Yeah, and it's not with the Sharks and any other team, any other team. I mean, hey, even if he gets traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. Who could possibly be the very, you know, the top team right now? You don't know, yeah. but anything can happen. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, moving on from that, uh, a f- another former Leaf um, signed with the Edmonton Oilers, Tyson Berry signed a one-year, three-point-seven-five million-dollar contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Barry kind of left uh, left the Leafs after one season. Uh, not maybe his most impressive season. Obviously, some major defensive woes in his own end. Mm-hmm. Um, on his way out, kind of criticizes the the Toronto media, saying that uh, you know they're hard on 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 the players. The fans can be hard on the players. Not sure he's used to being watched every single move that he makes. Um, that said, I, I I think we might have talked about this last week, but he's heading to Edmonton, where you're in another Canadian city. Um, you know, obviously you're going to get the same kind of media coverage. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this, this signing for Edmonton? I mean, honestly, I thought before we even, or when we got Tyson Barry and there were some like underlying charts and stuff like that, Barry, you know, had relatively a good defensive year. I mean, he was in like, like in the negative numbers but it was very low so you're probably thinking that oh because maybe he's on the top pairing you know he's all offense and he's playing with Nathan McKinnon there's kind of that difference maybe right his defense is going to be I mean if we complained about it a lot here in Toronto then you're definitely going to hear about it in Edmonton I mean let's face it when you go when you think of hockey markets that like have like extensive media coverage Edmonton Toronto Montreal are the top three that come to mind 
and you're going from one market to another where, you know, it's basically Canada's city of champions, kind of where, you know, the, um, the Edmonton Oilers had that dynasty, right? So you ha- you're living up to like big expectations for like a big franchise who's, you know, struggled lately and to have him on the fence, it's great for the offensive production. Because let's face it, he's probably going to be another 50, 60 point guy if he's playing alongside McDavid and Dreisaitl on the power play. Like that, that's a given. I'd be shocked if he doesn't hit that mark. But again, his defensive play, his coverage, his passing, and even how he reads like a two on one at times, I I questioned that a lot during the season because there are a couple overtime games where he was on the ice, they scored on a two on one. He automatically, instead of taking the lane away, he goes for the shooter, and that just immediately sets him up to, like, you know, make a pass instead of taking the lane away. It's difficult considering that, you know, his defensive deficiencies are what led to his, you know, um, issues in Toronto, but you should see some positives. You know, he struggled under Mike Babcock. Sheldon Keith on his offensive game. Great, but still, you got to take, you want to take the good with the bad, but it's very difficult. Yeah, I think you know what they get. They get a defenseman who has the offensive ability and the puck moving ability at you know three point seven five million. So, mm-hmm. in in that sense, a good signing by Edmonton. Absolutely, I do, yeah. I do think he he struggles defensively, and that's where that's where he got criticized big time in Toronto. He's going to get the same thing at Edmonton. I think a big part of that though was losing his confidence early under Mike Babcock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and especially in, in a big hockey market, it is tough to get that confidence back when it happens. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can, if he can get that back, he could be a, a solid, a solid player all around. Do mm-hmm. I think he's that defensive defenseman? N- not a chance. He, no. That's just not his game. And, and, and fans and media alike have to realize that he's never going to be your physical, your big physical defenseman. He's a guy that goes in there. He'll move the puck. He is going to shy away from the physical play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know we're just so used to that with William Nylander in Toronto that we kind of got used to seeing that with Tyson Berry as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he, will he make the plays? Yeah, but be ready for him to make those mistakes as well on the defensive end. Yeah. Uh, and, and all around, I think it is a decent deal for for Edmonton. I think it's a prove me contract for for uh, Tyson Berry. I think mm-hmm. he needs to go out there now if he wants to earn the, the big bucks. I mean, at the beginning of last season, they were talking about this guy being an $8 million guy when he reaches uh, free agency. That's just not the case. And no. for him to get there, he's got to – this is a prove-me contract. This is for him to go out there and say, look, I can get it done. I'm worth the, the $6, 7000000 million that I want to earn next season. Yeah. And I remember seeing those reports like mm-hmm. mid – through the season in like November, December. And it's like, really? You're putting that high value on yourself right now at that moment, considering obviously, you know, again, not technically his fault with how he's deployed or how he's being used, but with the way Mike Babcock was using him compared to what Sheldon Keefe was, he started to see that um, $8 million potential possibly. I still think it's too high even for him. But it's it comes down to like, uh, yeah, you might need to rethink what your value is after this year, because let's face it, it's not going to be what you want. Yeah, like the, the way I look at it is if you're an eight million dollar defenseman, you're a top top pairing defenseman. 
Yeah. That he for me he just didn't show that. So no. I mean, you can tell me all you want what you what you want uh, in terms of dollar amount, but you got to go out there and prove it. And I just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but moving on from from Tyson Berry and good luck in Edmonton. But Absolutely, moving on from yeah. him, uh, the Senator signed forward Evgeny Dadnov to a three year fifteen million dollar contract. 47 points in 69 games last year for the Florida Panthers. Um, he had a career-best 11 power play goals. $5 million a year for a guy that's going to come in and, you know, sub-point-per-game average. That said, you're, you're, you're kind of the grizzled vet now on a team that's so young. Yeah. Uh, even though you're, you're still fairly new to the NHL in, in terms of your experience, um, you know, this is a this is a team that's in a complete rebuild. I don't know if you want to bring in a guy for five million dollars, uh, who maybe isn't as proven as you would like on a young team like that. I agree, I agree. But let's face it, they have twenty million in cap space projected, twenty point seven million. To give up five million for over three years. I don't have a problem with it, considering that, you know, you still need to get to the, you know, the cap floor. So they still have a lot of money to, you know, try and plug away and even just get like maybe players that teams don't want that have good contracts and still give up very little and return to take on that contract because they are in a rebuilding phase. Is Evgeny Dadanov going to be that offensive guy? No, he's going to be a uh, maybe 50, 55 at most 60 point producer for them. But now he's not playing with Jonathan Huberto. He's not playing with an Alexander Barkov. He is the star right now of this team up front. So you could try and maybe see something in like, you know, a line of maybe Colin White, Kachuk and Dadanov that could possibly be a, you know, an average productive line, but you're not going to expect a whole lot. And especially with a team that still has 20 million in space left, they could have given him six million and it probably still wouldn't make a difference because he's going to be a UFA in three years. And at that time, hopefully with uh, the uh, hockey related revenue, if it increases, they could increase the cap even more at that point. Again, depending on what happens when you start to get fans back in, if a vaccine is safe and effective, once this whole entire situation starts to clear up, it could bode well for the senators. And then maybe, if he does do well, hey, they could give him a bigger contract because they would possibly have the space because they already have one of their top defensemen locked long term. I mean, you have to worry about Nikita Zaitsev and his four point five million. So, I mean, you have options. You have time to think about it, but I don't think it's a bad move at all. OK, so here's here's where I'm seeing it from. And aside from the the, the player perspective where you wonder why he wants to go to a team like Edmonton. Maybe that was the best contract he was offered. I don't know. Um, but my the way I look at it, and yes, they have a lot of cap space to, to fill. I look at it from the perspective of you sign to do a four-year deal. When you have some of your younger RFAs who put up better numbers uh, in the next few seasons coming up, uh, when you ha- have them come to you, and, and now, now their expectation is that they're going to get $5 million a year, period. If they if they have a better output than Dadanov over the next couple of years, their expectation is going to be that they they jump that that level, I guess, into getting to a point where you're being paid the same as a guy like Dadanov. And they surpass them. 
they surpass them. And that's yeah. going to be the expectation. So suddenly you're going to put yourself in a cap position where you're going to be maybe more tight to the to the ceiling than, than you'd like to be because of where you put yourself signing this guy to a four-year contract. Mm-hmm. If you had signed him to a two-year contract, $5 million a year, Sorry, he signed a three-year contract. My my yeah. my apologies, um, but if you sign him to a, a two-year contract at five million a year, okay, he's done in two years. Your RFA's for the most part, like your guys coming in with entry-level contracts, all that, they've got three years to kind of see where they're at, and then you can kind of negotiate from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. That's just the way I'm looking at it, and I I it's I don't know if it's just a Senators thing, but they they tend to I don't know just. The way they work their cap, they overhype a lot of their players. So, yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm interested to see what he can do there because, like you said, he's not playing with a Huberdeau anymore. He's not playing with a Barkov. Um, what uh, what will he be able to do? Where he's he's kind of the guy in Ottawa at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what he can do, and that that's more my my where I'm coming from. I you know I want to see what he's able to do without that talent around him before I think that 5 million a year is, is what he's worth. Yeah. And I, and I do agree that at some point you're going to have to think about your RFAs, but I'm, I don't think that that's, I understand where you're coming from. I just don't feel that it's going to be a big issue because he's going to be a UFA in 2023, 24 at that point, depending on when, you know, Stutzla Sanderson or when other players sign their, entry-level contracts, I would hope that it would be, you know, relatively kind of soon because RFAs are starting to go off the board right now or uh, players signing their entry-level contracts are going. Even if they do sign him right now and Sanderson, in three years' time, he's already up. And I understand that, you know, there's still Logan Brown, Drake Batherson, who, you know, are still, and uh, Brady Kachuk, who are their top prospects right now, they're up at the end of next season and need a new contract. So I think maybe if you could try and swing them low for the time being for one more year, that could work out. But then again, you may have to move them. So, and again, if you if they do decide to move that enough, $5 million is a movable contract. So I guess they're in a really good spot at this point. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, and kind of going off of... Uh you know, our talk for the Senators before we get to some more of the signings. Uh, Stutza, we, you know, obviously bad news for the Senators. Mm-hmm. Um, he is required or he required surgery this week. Um, and, uh, you know, not not the greatest, uh, greatest news for, for Senators fans. But, um, you know, obviously his recovery is going to be a little bit longer. Uh, and, it, yeah, just a broken arm, needed surgery. Um yeah, not great news for the centers. That's just really, I mean, okay. <laughs> if there's, I mean, I mean, we've joked about how things have happened to like the Leafs in the past. Oh, only the Le- this could happen to the Leafs, right? It's not becoming the thing for the Senators. Like only they could draft, like you know. Oh, it's a, it's a broken arm, but. It's just unfortunate that it had to happen. I mean, you could try, you could recover more from like a broken arm as opposed to, you know, a ACL or MCL tear, which would take longer to heal. But it's just bad timing. And knowing the the ceiling that he has right now, it just, his, not necessarily his development, but he was off to a really great start this year. 
And now it just takes a bit of a back burner because of that. So it's just really bad timing. Yeah, no, I agree. It's obviously, like you said, you know, it's a, it's a thing that he certainly can recover from. Mm-hmm. Um, you just fear a little bit of whether he's going to play a little bit like protective after, after this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing. It's just making sure that he comes back full confidence and able to play at, at a regular level. And, um, you know, obviously bad timing for the centers and, They've had some some interesting stories happen to them in the past few years, whether yeah. it be the Uber driver, the uh, you know the Carlson Hoffman incident, yeah. just so many things that are very senators like lately. And this this news just doesn't help the cause at all. I will say this: I mean, yeah, he could possibly be a little bit scared when he returns. Maybe he doesn't want to injure himself again. But he has a high motor; like he's always go, go, go. Yeah. And I, I can see him coming back, and he's just going to be better than ever. Yeah. No, I agree with you, and I, and I root for their, for them, and for him. I hope that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to the signings, though. Uh, Tony D'Angelo with the Rangers signs a two-year deal worth $9.6 million. Uh, D'Angelo talking about go, 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 guys. D'Angelo is a guy who does not let up when it comes to playing on the blue line for the Rangers. Um, obviously, uh, he signed a two-year deal with them. The Rangers also signed uh, Alexander Georgiev to a two-year $4.8 million contract. Um Two very good signings for the Rangers, in my opinion. Lock up some of their young guys for a couple more years, especially with Lafreniere coming in. I uh, just I think it's going to be a, a you know a team to look for, look forward to watching in the Eastern Conference uh, over the next few seasons. Yeah, and he had a breakout year: fifteen goals, fifty-three assists. And I mean, he's starting to emerge as the, like one of the top—not necessarily the top—but he's improving or showing that he's capable of being a really good offensive defenseman. Now, kind of going back to Tyson Berry, he is all offense, not so great in his defensive end, kind of one-dimensional. Is And not only that, um, I'm looking at their defense right now, Jacob Truba, Brandon Smith, Jack Johnson. Their defense was already a question mark last year. 4.8 for a guy you could produce, great. But again, you're paying for the offensive production, not the defense. But it's going to be concerning if he kind of has a Tyson Berry type year where he's almost making five million and maybe it doesn't go as well as he had thought. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's a possibility because we've seen that happen already. And for I mean, still being under five million, it's great. But that's at that threshold where you're kind of not not necessarily playing with fire, but you don't want to go over more considering what possibly could happen. Well, it's like you said, though, it's it's a high-risk, high-reward contract, mm-hmm. right? Um, obviously, I, and I I read it somewhere that the NHL is becoming a lot like the NBA right now in terms of it's a very offensive league, less defensive. You don't see as many of the one nothing games or the 2-1 games that we used to see. You're seeing 5-4 sure. games, you know, 8-6 games, and it's almost like on a nightly basis you're paying for that offense, and I think that's where – that's where this contract comes into play is because they saw that what what D'Angelo has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, even you're talking about Georgiev's the, your, your starting goalie now if you're the Rangers. And you're paying him half of what you're paying for for Tony D'Angelo in net. 
or or sorry, yeah, Tony D'Angelo playing on the, mm-hmm. the on the back end. I, I I mean, it just you you wonder a little bit like, you know, D'Angelo had one breakout season, and all of a sudden you're paying him, you know. A, a hefty contract. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I I agree with you. I think they're paying for the offense here, and it could be a make or break uh, contract in terms of you know what he can do on the back end. Just a bit of a side note. I know you said Alexander Georgiev is the starter. I mean, I I honestly think Shostorkin just overtakes him, and I think that giving you know not necessarily two point four million as a backup, you know, is bad money. It's it's good value, and he can be a solid like you know presence in the net. But the way that Shostorkin just came in and overthrew both of them, I I honestly think he takes a starter role. All right. All right. I, you know, I don't, bold I won't per, argue bold that. prediction, bold prediction. Yeah. <laughs> I won't argue that. I think, I I do think that he has the, he has the bigger or the higher ceiling than, than Georgiev. But, uh, yeah. um, yeah, I, you know, it could be, it could be a matter of, you know, maybe he gets less games only because of, uh, you know, his, his age versus, He's versus still relatively new to the league. Yeah. And that, that would be yeah. the only reason, but, um, you know, that's never stopped teams before. If, mm-hmm. you know, look, look back to Carey Price in Montreal. Uh, he kind of took, took the net when he was an 18 year old in the playoffs. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, 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 I won't, I don't mind that, that prediction. I like that bold prediction. I like that. Uh, I think it's a, it's a worthy prediction in, in New York. I'm just going to say this. The New York Rangers better not bring up another goaltender because this would be the third straight year if they play the Leafs and they start a rookie goaltender. It's not going to end well for the Leafs. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, speaking of goaltenders, uh, Tyler Parsons, I have to mention this one coming out of London. Uh, Tyler Parsons signed a one-year two-way deal with the Calgary Flames. Um, obviously, he led the the... London Knights for for some time and and was a great goaltender here in London. Um, I I like the signing. Uh, you know, smaller deal that we don't uh, we wouldn't normally talk about, but uh, a guy that uh, especially when you talk about goaltenders, if you want to get a a good depth chart in terms of that position, I think he's a a solid signing for the uh, for the Calgary Flames. Absolutely, yeah. And again, depth goaltending. Depth is going to be a huge part this year when, you know, teams are going to – you're stocking up on it. And if it's going to be a condensed schedule, you already have – we talked about this with the Golden Knights. You have that depth. Um, getting Jacob Markstrom already on the Flames, it's a good signing. So you have that depth behind um, – David uh, Riddick. David Riddick. Big save Dave. I don't know why I drew a blank there. But you have – you have the depth already. You added another person. I mean, yeah, he saw time in the ECHL last year, but you know what? He could go for us. He could go a step further. This is all part of his development. He's only 23 years old. He had, you know, good numbers, but now he's got to like take that next step and go with it. You know? Yeah. And just kind of sticking with the flames for a second. They signed uh, RFA Andrew Mangiapane uh, to a two-year contract, annual mm-hmm. average value of two point four two five million. So, you know, close to five million dollar contract with for for Mangiapane. Uh, he had a he had a decent year last year, kind of a breakout year for himself. Um, kind of that depth guy plays a uh, plays a phys- bit of a physical game, um, but uh, 
you know, a guy that's uh, definitely um, can add something to, to the Calgary Flames. And I think it's a good signing to keep him in Calgary for a little while. Yeah, he had a really, really strong season this year. I mean, I've 32 points, 17 goals. You really can't argue with the fact that, you know, he's a really good depth contributor. And considering that, you know, we saw their top line struggle at times and we saw players like, you know, Andrew Mangiapane, Sam Bennett, um, Dylan Dubé taking the reins and sort of like becoming those depth producers, Michael Backlund as well. So they got good players to, you know, help out their, their stars. And that's what you need. You already have that in place. You kept him for another two years and let's just hope that, you know, that you won't have to break up your star line if, you know, things don't go well, because this is now possibly, what, the second or third season that they struggled? Yeah, you can't uh, you can't rely heavily on your first and second line anymore, mm-hmm. especially, like I mentioned, with the, the way that the game's going and being so offensive, you need that depth scoring throughout your lineup. So for, for your third and fourth line to struggle the way that they do, um, you know, and that, that's why we I think we see Calgary where they are right now. And there's frustration among the top line with, with you know Goudreau, Monahan, and Sachuk, I know there's frustration there because yeah. you're you're relied so heavily upon to to be those offensive guys that you know there's no there's no weight off your shoulders at that point. Um, and you know I think for a guy like Manjapani who you know coming in three goals shy of a twenty goal season, had we gone the distance this year, maybe he gets twenty goals. Yeah. Um, that's a huge addition. And yeah, it's thirty two points in in just over sixty games. So, I mean. Not not bad number numbers, but considering he's a third liner, those are pretty decent numbers for a guy that you're you're only paying two million dollars for. Those three goals probably could have made a difference. That could have probably been a three million dollar contract had he scored them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You're talking about a twenty goal season. Um, going from there, uh, Nolan Patrick signed his qualifying offer. Um, resigned one year, eight hundred seventy four thousand dollars. Um, obviously not what you'd expect for a guy who, um, you know, the Flyers took so high in the draft that said, um, he's had kind of a up and down career so far, uh, Mm -hmm. whether it be injuries or, um, you know, just, just not having that opportunity to play high in their, in their lineup. Um, you know, I think it's a good deal for him. It's a team friendly deal at this point, especially like we mentioned, so many times before with the the stale cap, um, it's again another prove me deal. What can you do mm-hmm. for me? You've got one year. Let's let's see what you can do. And uh, you know, I think I think Patrick's got a lot of work to do. Uh, but that said, I think it's uh, it's a good move for for both sides. I mean, he's a big body centerman, and you know, at age twenty two, he still has time to try and reach his max potential. But given the injuries and the history, it's going to hamper him and it's going to be a long, difficult road to try and get to that point. But, yeah, this is a fair contract. And I think he knows that, you know, I haven't been at my best and there has been like, you know, a lot of derailment on, you know, me trying to be what I was supposed to be. Right. So to be that sort of third line centerman behind, you know, uh, Claude Giroux. Not, not Claude Giroux, but like Kevin Hayes, Sean Couturier, to add that depth up the middle is great. And I still think that he can still be a reliable centerman. It's just, again, 
he would probably be if he was healthy, he'd probably be making around two million right now. But yeah, I, it's it's you hate to see that you really do because there's so much praise for him, especially after he got like a hundred points with the Brandon Weekings going in as you know top pick in the draft, then losing that top pick to Nico Heischer. They still take him 30 points, and he only got 31 points in 2018-19. He didn't even play a game this year. It's it's difficult. Yeah, and there's still some questions as to when he's going to return. I mean, last last season he missed the entire year with the migraine disorder, mm-hmm. um, so that doesn't that certainly doesn't help his case. But um, like you said, you know, obviously a, a depth center, a guy that can come in and, and play physical when he's at his best. Um, I just think like injuries have played a huge part in, in where he is right now. And if he can come back and, and play a little bit better, um, I think you're talking about a completely different contract, uh, one year down the road. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to make it back into the lineup this year. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously things are really unclear right now, but, um, you know, definitely a guy that, uh, keep an eye on, uh, for 874,000, he could end up being one of the better deals in the NHL. If he comes back th- this year and plays a full season, if he does, and he has a breakout year, that's going to be a really good steal. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, and, and talking about younger guys with prove me contracts, um, another former leaf and this one, I kind of want to get into a little bit. Uh, Jeremy Bracco signs a one-year contract with the uh, the Hurricanes. Um, a two-way deal, not necessarily solidifying a spot in the NHL. That said, um, you know, I think it's a good opportunity for him. Obviously, he wasn't going to get that in the Leafs organization. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a great uh, great chance for him to kind of make that next uh, next jump into the NHL if given the opportunity in Carolina. Yeah, and our fellow Leaf writer, Chris Feria, came out with a really good article about Jeremy Bracco and what kind of went wrong in terms of his development. And it was it's a really good piece. I'd really go check it out if I were you, if you're listening. And they brought him into the OHL to try and, like, you know, get his motivation going, get that, like, offensive production going. and Because he is known as being that crafty playmaker, right? But it just he Chris mentioned that you know, like he failed to separate himself at the OHL level is one of the main topics, and I fully agree with that. He was brought in to try and be that kind of guy where he's going up against Mitch Marner at that time and against other star players. Okay, if you're a really great player, prove it to us. Didn't he had a good you know um, season in the OHL, but after that. Uh, he went on to win the World Junior Championship, and then he also went on to, you know, score another um, another uh, 80-some-odd points with both the Kitchener Rangers and the Winter Spitfires. So you saw a bit of an increase right there, but it just, I, I don't know what happened. I guess I'm trying to, pin, I, I can't even put my finger on it. I don't know what went wrong. And that's kind of the risk that you make, not necessarily the risk that you make with second round draft picks like that, but you expect more out of them. And 79 points in 2018-19, we thought he was going to be in a good spot, but then just took a really bad down year this year. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned it in the OHL. I think the biggest thing is 
when you're you can have a good season, but they they're looking for more of a great season, and, and that's mm-hmm. the, that's the thing. And you talked about the second round pick. Um, look at Nicholas Robertson, second round pick yeah. went back for his his uh, his draft plus one year in in um, in the O and and absolutely like, dominated, absolutely lit it up. The same could be said yeah. about Marner. Marner Marner went out there and he he showed that he was a great player. That's why you saw those two make the jump to the NHL. I mean, even Nick mm-hmm. Robertson, like, yeah, he only played, what, four playoff games this year? But, I mean, regardless, he played four playoff games with the Leafs this year. Um, and he made an impact. And he made an impact. Um, I think Bracco went back there, and he went he, – he had a good year. He had a good mm-hmm. year. You can't take anything away from that. But he didn't separate himself as, as a legitimate um, – top end score in the OHL. And if you can't do that at that age, then there's no guarantee that you're making that next level. Yeah. And I think even with the, when he, when he uh, was playing with the Marlies, um, there was a lot of discussion about his frustration and not getting the call up. Um, Mm -hmm. And you saw guys kind of jump over him. uh, Adam Brooks, uh, Marchment jumped up for a couple games. You saw these guys, Korshkov, you saw these guys getting opportunities and that he wasn't getting, and and obviously there's going to be frustration there. Mm-hmm. That said, when you're at that level, you you can't voice those frustrations. You can't yeah. make news voicing frustrations with the big league club when you haven't earned your spot there yet. Yeah, and I think there's just a lot of separation between the player and the team, the player and the organization, and that ultimately was what led to to you know them not giving him a qualifying offer and yeah. him signing in Carolina. And for him, I hope he gets the opportunity opportunity to show otherwise that he can be an NHL player. Mm-hmm. Again, you're talking about a fully offensive player. He's not, yeah. he doesn't have that, that two way game. And that's where I think his develop, his development kind of came up a little bit short. And I'm just going to throw in this right now. I, I mean, I hope I, I hope nothing for the best for him. I really do. Any player that was a Maple Leaf or the, any player that's going from one team to another, you always hope that they, you know, um, they always have a, uh, make a significant impact wherever they're going. But looking at their prospects right now, Carolina, Ryan Suzuki, Dominic Bach, Vasily Ponomarev, um, Jake Bean. Well, I'm he's a defenseman, but even this year, like what they got in Seth Jarvis, it's going to be tough for him to break, not even just break the roster right now or make the roster right now, but even down the line, it's going to be extremely difficult for him. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, you know, he's going to have a lot of frustration again in Carolina. Uh, there's going to be guys that jump him, but he's, he's got to keep his head in the game. If he wants to make that next level, he's, he really has to continue to play hard and try and figure out a way to, to, to buy in. And yeah. that's what it's about is buying in. If he can buy in, there, there's a chance he makes it. But, um, you know, we could look back on this in a couple of years and, and still be talking about him in the AHL. That's just the way that it, it seems to be yeah. breaking down at this point. Um, moving off of Jeremy Bracco, though, uh, two final signings, both defensemen. Um, Matt Grizzlick signed a four-year deal with the Boston Bruins worth $14.75 million. And Cody Cece, former Leaf, signed a one-year, $1.25 million oh, contract man. with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Thoughts on these two contracts? 
I mean, you know where I stand on Cody CC, so I'm not going to dwell too much on that. And I'm pretty favorite sure it's favorite player, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but even you saw the reaction online on social media, like you replace Cody. I mean, they got rid of Jack Johnson and you replace him with Cody CC. Basically the same player, but at a lesser price value. So it's not really a win-win for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. I mean, I, again, I wish, I wish them nothing but the best, but after what we saw this year with Cody CC, it's, it's not going to be a fun year for, if you're a Pens fan, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, I think it's, uh, I I just don't get I I don't get the signing I don't get the mm-hmm. signing um it, it for me it just doesn't make sense um the guys that you didn't bring back in you know you know Schultz and and uh, and Jack Johnson and then you bring back are you bringing a guy like Cody CC just for me I'm I mean I'm just kind of lacking the understanding there and you know like you said I hope he does better in Pittsburgh and maybe he mm-hmm. will. Maybe he'll buy into the system a little bit better there than he did uh, in Toronto. But, uh, you know, didn't see much of his booming shot from the blue line in Toronto. His defensive play was questionable at times Mm -hmm. in Toronto. Shied away from any physical play uh, with the Leafs. Um, So, obviously, he's going to have to turn all that around uh, with Pittsburgh. And and if he wants to – it's another prove-me contract. All of these yeah. short-term deals, they're prove-me contracts. You want money next year? Prove to me that you're worth it. And, uh, you know, all the best to him in, in Pittsburgh. Hopefully he can turn it around. Um, as for the Grizzly deal, I love it. I think uh, big yeah. signing, another team-friendly deal. They lose out on Krug, which kind of was a given going into the offseason. Uh, but they're able to get Grizzlick on a, on a very team-friendly deal, and he's a guy that played a huge role for the Boston Bruins uh, this past season. So I, I personally mm-hmm. love the Matt Grizzlick deal. I love Matt Grizzlick as a player. I love the contract, but I hate playing up against him, man. And this is – and I mean, I'm, I'm saying nothing but good things. I, I think he's a terrific player. He's one of those hard-nosed guys that you don't want to go into the corner with because you know he's going to, like, you know, he's going to be right up on you. He's going to lay the body. He's going to be physical. He's going to make your life a nightmare. And to get him at that value, 3.6, it's a really, really good deal. And losing out on Krug, you still have, you know, a really good defensive. I mean, you're not going to have the puck-moving abilities of crew, but you still got a two-way player in Charlie McAvoy. You got Grizzly, you got Brandon Carlo, you got John Moore, who's played pretty well, and you got Jeremy Lozon possibly coming up. So their defense is not what it used to be, but it's still in a really good situation. Yeah, no, 100%. And like I said, um, you know, solid pickup for, or solid re-signing, I should say, for Boston. Mm-hmm. Um you know, makes their blue line so tough. And obviously, you know, being in the same division as them, uh, the Leafs have seen that over the years. And again, it's going to be a grind against them this season uh, with with that that stacked blue line like they have. So you mentioned it's going to be hard to watch the Leafs play against them again. But, uh, you know, hopefully the Leafs being tougher to play against this year will, will help, uh, help that cause. And getting into that... Um, Actually, sorry, we do have a couple more signings. Uh, just a couple entry-level contracts. Zade Wisdom, 
Alexis mm-hmm. Lafreniere, obviously, Tyson Forrester, and Jake Neighbors all signed their entry-level contracts. So um, I think we all knew that Lafreniere was going to sign his contract. Uh, good to see guys like Wisdom, Forrester, and Neighbors all get their yeah. uh, their contract signed. And for Wisdom, it's it's just a you know it's a guarantee that he's going to get an opportunity with the Flyers. I love that signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for him. Um, and yeah. I mean, I believe Quentin Byfield also signed his ELC, but just going back to Wisdom, if you haven't watched Nothing Given, I highly recommend watching it. It's, it just shows his journey to get to this point and, and how he, it was filled with so much adversity and he fought through, fought through. I'm absolutely happy and ecstatic for him. He's got great work ethic and, I kind of hope that Toronto would draft him, but he is a Philadelphia flyer. He embodes the Broad Street bully mentality, being physical, having that offensive upside, being tough to play against. And I think he's going to do extremely well there. And I wish him nothing but the best. I'm really happy for him. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And two more quick uh, notes uh, for our news here before we jump into hockey in Toronto, not just Maple Leafs talk anymore, hockey in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, Marshawn Pasternak both going to be out long term for the Boston Bruins. Uh, they will, if assuming this season starts January first as they would like, um, looks like Boston will be out uh, without two of their top scorers from last year. Yeah. Um, obviously, both dealing with injuries this past season. They they they're both going to be off uh, with surgery. Um, going off of that, the NWHL is adopting a new governance model. And um, Tyler Tumania, and hopefully I pronounced that right, uh, is was introduced as the interim commissioner of the, the NWHL. Uh, this is a huge note for women's hockey. It's a huge note for the league. Um, it's, it's exciting news because now we're talking about a, a league that is going to be driven by private, private ownership for these teams. Mm-hmm. Very much... Uh, in line with what the NHL is, is, is like, um, obviously they're looking for long-term sustainability, uh, for, for both for women's hockey in North America. Um, no league has, has been able to sustain, uh, itself the way that the NWHL has. And I think this is a great, great note for them. Obviously they expanded to Toronto this off season. Uh, the Toronto six will have their inaugural season whenever they get underway. Um, yeah, and I just, uh, just I think it's a great move. Um, the the new commissioner did was quoted saying, "This is a time of opportunity and transformation for the NWHL, uh, and the changes we are making across the league will fortify a foundation for continued success well into the future. I look forward to collaborating with our partners in the NWHL and our expanding community of fans to create a special place that honors the rich talents of women's hockey." So obviously a great move for the league. Um, former commissioner and founder of the NWHL, Danny Ryland Kearney, has uh, stepped down as the commissioner and will uh, continue to work with as, as the president for a, a number of the teams until they establish independent ownership. So again, I, I mean, I think I've said it a hundred times already. Great news for the league, great news for women's hockey in North America. And I think this is the first step to creating a sustainable league uh, for for women to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, re- I there was also an article from the New York Times that I read about it, and 
I, again, it, it's a lot of business talk. I'm not big on business, but it sounds like they're, it's, it's, it is going in the right direction. And now that they can make uh, team-based decisions now and, and make it a viable marketing um, advantage for them to be a pro league business-wise. And if it, they're able to get more people on board, more sponsors, more revenue to increase the game and increase and to expand the teams – I'm all on board for it. I'm really hoping that this goes through and it continues to grow even more. Yeah, no, and they've already been talking about possible expansion uh, down the road again, um, which I love. I think this is great. Uh, obviously, when we started this podcast, we mentioned that we want to talk about women's hockey on here as well and give mm-hmm. them the uh, equal airwaves. And uh, I think we're we're just about to get into that. And it's it's exciting times for women's hockey. So good for them. Uh, good for the league, good for, uh, for for everybody involved, and and exciting news. Going off of that, let's get into our Toronto hockey talk. And I say Toronto because we're not just talking about the Maple Leafs now. We're talking about the Toronto Six. We're talking about the Toronto Marlies on this episode. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll start with I'll stick with the NWHL for a second. The Toronto Six traded Kelly Babstock uh, to the Metropolitan Riveteers for a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. Um, Babstock signed with Toronto back in May, her hometown. She's a Toronto native. Um, she signed a, uh, she, she's played in the NWHL for four years. Um, obviously, you know, uh, you don't want to be traded from your home hometown, but that being said, it gives, uh, the, the Toronto six, a couple more picks down the road as they continue to build in their, in their, uh, I want to say inaugural season, which will be mm-hmm. next year. So, um, Solid pickup for for the Metropolitan Riveteers, but also a solid pickup for the Toronto Six in acquiring both of those picks. I mean, that's what you got to do when you're, I mean, just a brand new team. You got to acquire picks no matter what. And yeah, this, it's, originally she was supposed to come in and be like an offensive death presence. But now I guess with everything going on, they want to try and look forward to building this team and make it get more deep as opposed to what they were at this moment right now. But I'm just looking at some of the stats right now. Average 0.92 points per game, uh, 0.71 primary points per game. So she is a dominant offensive player. And it's sad to see that go. But if you went to your rebuilding team, you got to start building for the future right now. And I'm honestly, I'm no doubt in my mind that she would have been like a top line player for them. Yeah. So uh, Again, like I said, great move. Um, obviously, we're going to try and talk a little bit more about that stuff on the uh, on the pod moving forward. Um, but we're going to jump over to the AHL and talk a little Toronto Marlies, which uh, is kind of new for us as well mm-hmm. um, as we try to expand our Toronto hockey talk. Um, the Marlies had three signings this past week, uh, led by this, the re-signing of Rich Clune to a one-year AHL contract. Um, he's coming off, uh, he's racked up 18 goals and 25 assists over 164 games with the Marlies over the past five seasons. Um, you mentioned it before we started get before we got underway here today. If anybody hasn't watched his documentary, um, mm-hmm. go out there and watch it right away. Uh, you know, this guy is, is just an absolute beauty in terms of, you know, what he brings to the team. Um, and, and I think that's, that's why you see a guy like that continually come back um, because what he brings to the, the Marlies and what he brings to hockey in Toronto is just, uh, um, it's, it's priceless, honestly. So um, mm-hmm. 
solid signing for the the Marlies, in, in my opinion. Hi, my name is Dickie. That's if you watch that episode, you know exactly what the struggle he's been through with his substance abuse and, and his battle trying to get back. And and it's I'm honestly I it was one of the most emo- emotional um, documentaries that I've seen in quite some time. So give it a listen. But yeah, I mean, you can't you can't hate the signing, man. Clune has been a major factor on the Marlies for the past few years, even uh, when they won Memorial Cup, the Calder Cup, um, back in 2017-18. I mean, he's just, he's basically a great presence to have, no matter where you are. I mean, he's that veteran presence to help these kids get prepared for the next year. He's there to, like, help them out on their journey. And honestly, I hope he remains a Marley or a part of the Toronto organization for a very long time, because I love his character. I love what he brings. It's, it's, it's something that you need. And I'm really glad that they resigned him. Yeah, no. And uh, like I said, a great addition and uh, two more signings by the uh, Marley's Tyler Gaudet, who has played with the Marley's for the, for, for a little while now. And uh, forward Scott Savern, who was in the Ottawa centers organization last year, had a run-in with Austin Matthews, both signed <laughs> to the uh, Marley's, uh, the, the AHL uh, franchise. And um, I personally, I think it's uh, two great moves by the, by the team in, in securing themselves, uh, you know, what made them successful in, in the AHL over the past couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, some, some good signings for the Marley's and, and creating that depth uh, for the Leafs moving forward. What are the odds that Austin Matthews looks over on Saverin's jersey and see who he is? I'm more thinking what uh, what happens when Saverin gets called up after the Leafs get a couple of injuries and plays on a line with Austin Matthews. Oh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> that's going to be fun. That's something you should uh, probably tweet out, see what the yeah. reaction is going to be like. I mean, again, good depth signing, but I really liked Tyler Goddard. I mean, during the preseason when I saw him play, I thought he had a legitimate chance to kind of be like a call-up kind of player and be a depth presence. And not a goal scorer, but, you know, pretty decent playmaker. 21 points, 17 assists with the Marlies last year. I'm actually, I, I'm, he's not going to be in the NHL. But if there's an injury, I think he would be a really good depth presence. Like I said before, I, I really like this play. He's just like all in attitude, always battling, always fighting in the corners. I mean, something that the least lacked. But you know what? With the depth that we signed this year, it's difficult for him to try and make a statement. But I still think he could be a really reliable call up. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they call it the always hungry league for a reason. So, mm. um you know, guys like Gaudet and Sabrin, they're guys that uh, aren't ready to give up on, on the uh, the NHL dream and the hockey dream. And, you know, to add guys like that that are willing to go out there and basically lay their bodies on the line to win, um, that's exactly what you want as your organizational depth. And, you know, I think the Leafs have got that with uh, the three guys they signed um, to, to Marley's contracts this, this week. So mm-hmm. solid signings all around. Um, but we're not done yet. Uh, we've got lots Bar more to talk to Rumbets. talk about with the uh, the Maple Leafs, and uh, let's jump over to that right now. Um, I want to talk about another depth signing. Aaron Dell mm-hmm. uh, signs with the Leafs. Um, obviously, you know we talked a lot about free agent goaltenders this year, and and what uh, where they might end up. And 
I don't think we really mentioned Dell in Toronto very often. That said, a one-year $800,000 contract, I think it's an incredible signing. You've got a guy that has some NHL experience, has backed up in San Jose for, for a couple of years now. And, um, yeah, I, I I love this signing. I think it's a great signing. Obviously, the Marlies lost uh, Kaskasuo um, to Nashville. So to bring in a guy like Aaron Dell, who could potentially be your starting goaltender in the NHL – or, sorry, the AHL – um, but has that NHL experience. I think that's a great uh, great uh, signing for the Leafs. Uh, and uh, we saw it last year where we you know, we were down two goaltenders and we had to bring a couple of the AHL guys up. This is a great opportunity for, for Dell to be that, that guy um, and come in and play a role for the Leafs uh, down the road if, if need be. Side note, imagine the frozen merch that could be sold with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I, I, again, that's probably me, my, my nerdy and Disney side coming out. But I, as soon as I saw Aaron Dell, I'm like, oh man, get the let it go music ready for when yeah. he like <laughs> walks out onto the ice or something like that. <laughs> All that aside, I mean, yeah, like you said, the depth, 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 depth is going to go a long way, especially if it's going to be in a condensed season right now. And if anything happens to Anderson or Campbell, Aaron Dell has proved that, you know, he can be a solid goaltender. I mean, this year alone, uh, the San Jose Sharks, they were not that great. I mean, Martin Jones struggled a lot, but when Aaron Dell came in, he provided some really good numbers. I mean, granted, the record doesn't show it, but, you know, just over a three goals against average and a 900 save percentage. And even in the past, in 2016-17, 11-6-1 with the two goals against average, 931 save percentage. 264 goals against average, 914 in 2017-18. So he has shown he can be called upon to be a steady presence or, uh, you know, to, I'm losing my track of thought right now, my train of thought, um, to be that guy to come in and help the team out no matter what, who no matter if the starter's gone, if the backup's gone, he's going to overtake that reign and he's comfortable doing it. Um. And yeah, most likely he will start the season in the AHL, but those are solid numbers to go by off. And he wasn't a marquee name like Holpe or, you know, Markstrom or Lanner, who, you know, who was on the market for the time being. I mean, he was the best available option. And I think Toronto not necessarily hit a home run, but they got the best goalie remaining. And I think he can prove to be a difference maker should, if anything does happen to our two guys right now. Yeah, and just uh, kind of going off of that, uh, you know, I have talked a lot about Miko Lettinen, um this season and what he he could potentially bring to the club. Um, obviously, he's playing over in Joker it right now uh, on loan from the Leafs. Um, was named the defenseman the uh, defenseman of the week last week for the league um, for the KHL, and uh, you know, six goals, fourteen points in twelve games. What a start for uh, for Miko Lettinen over in the KHL. I know I discussed this last week. Um, I know I asked uh, if that was good, and you said, that, I mean, if you like goals, then yeah, sure. Obviously, you're going to like that. But honestly, I don't see a I, – I cannot see him not being on the roster this year. I really cannot. And I know we got depth and I know we got, you know, young players trying to make a point and prove themselves. But with the depth that we have, he's leading the team in goals. 
Well, not necessarily. No, he's not leading the team in goals. He's leading the team in points. Uh, Nicholas Jensen has nine goals. He has six. He's second in that department. You can't not put him on the roster. You have to. You have to find a spot for him. I mean, if it's Riley Brody, Muzzin, I'm going to say Travis Dermott because I know he could play on the right hand side, and I think Tra- um, Justin Hall could be expendable, and Sandine Lettinen. With Zach Bogosian coming in and out of the lineup, going into the second role, third pairing role, no matter what, that is great depth right there. Even if Miko Lettinen doesn't start off, there was a, there was a video that was posted, and I think um, I can't remember who posted it, but I believe it was Nick D'Souza. Don't get me wrong, but he was going around flying on the ice. He went in, took a shot, had the speed to come back played solid defense to get like open for a pass and then he immediately moves the play back out and that all happened in like 20 seconds you you have to put him on there's no way that he cannot lose a spot right now i mean he can lose a spot but with the way that he's playing right now it's really difficult to not have him on yeah i know i agree i i I think he's playing himself into a role with the least right off the giddy up and um i like you i think you're looking at Hall as the possible expendable body, um, but I don't think Dermot's far off at this point, and that's only because you have that depth at this point, mm-hmm. and you have that organizational depth in having you know Sandine and Lilligren potentially coming up uh, down the road. Um, yeah, I think the the Leafs are in a great spot right now on the blue line, and um, you know if you can get a guy like Lettinen over here to play, and he puts up the same type of uh, not even numbers, but effort all around that he is over there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could have a early fan favorite on your on your hands. That said, the Toronto fans always love to hate their defensemen. So, yeah, as as a guy who played defense uh, when I played, uh, man, you, you take a lot of heat sometimes. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he uh, what he can do over here with the Leafs. But I think he's playing himself onto the roster right now. Yeah. And it was Nick D'Souza who posted that videos, which has 8,500 views already from that clip alone. Yeah. All Toronto fans, by the way. All Toronto fans. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I've watched <laughs> it about, like, you know, 100 times myself. It's was <laughs> shock and awe. Yeah. No. Um, but let's get into the biggest signing right now of the week for the Leafs. Um, Top prospect. And, I'm, you know what? I'm not just talking about uh, the size of the player, mm-hmm. but uh, Joe Thornton. Yeah, a one-year, seven hundred thousand dollar contract to pl- come play tr- with Toronto. Um, a kid from obviously Port Stanley, uh, St. Thomas area. Um, he, you know he's playing over in with HC Davos right now. Had a, had an assist in his opening game. Uh, played over fifteen minutes of uh, ice time. Joe Thornton in Toronto. Uh, we've talked about it time and time again what it would mean to the the organization. I've had numerous conversations with other people. Some agree that it's a great signing. Some don't understand how he fits into the roster. I love it. I love it. And I already have Real Sports uh, apparel already up on my phone, ready to order (laughs) a number 97 jersey because, man, this guy is a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate, um, doesn't have his cup yet, but he could be potentially one of the biggest ads of the offseason for the Maple Leafs. 
I want a 97 jersey right now. And I think someone joked around, even if, you know, Thornton retires, he can remove the Thornton plane and put McDavid on when he comes in at age 40. So, you know, there's that option as well. Yeah, no, and I just, I, I, me personally, I think, you know, even if he plays at your third line center spot with two speedsters on the outside, um, this is a guy who can still put up 35 points. Yeah. So for 700,000, I mean, what a steal, what a steal. And he's not going to be the quickest, but he, the way he sees the game, the way he plays the game, the way he positions himself Mm -hmm. at all ends of the ice, that physicality, that that um, aggressive play, the way he stands up for his his teammates, that's exactly what the Leafs were looking for this offseason. They got it in Wayne Simmons. They got it in Joe Thornton. Um, man, I just I'm drooling at this at this signing right now. He was okay. He was the first one on my list for like free agent targets after you, but in that order, it was Thornton, Simmons, Craig Smith, and Melker Carlson. They got the two up two that I put on my article for free agent depth forward for the Maple Leafs. I'm seeing a lot of, oh my God, he's 41. You know, he's old. He can't play anymore. He's regressed. He, he played bad last year. He did not play bad last year. He still put up 31 points going up and down the lineup with the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose and, Sharks played bad last year. Yeah. And everyone's going to probably look at plus minus, and he was a minus 19. That, that to me, really doesn't mean anything. At points, it does, but not necessarily like it used to. But I'm looking back at his 36, like when he was 36 years old, 2015-16, 82 points. Following year, 50 points. Following year, down year, because of some injuries, 36. 51 in 2018-19 and in 20 and last year 31 points and he was playing with Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc for about maybe 14.6% of his shifts. Those are good numbers and this is in it for a guy who's way who's 35 plus. He can still play folks and I'm not just saying that oh because he's a Maple Leaf. No. He can still play. He can still be a great playmaker. He can still be aggressive on the forecheck, and he provides great center depth. I mean, Matthews, Tavares, Thornton, Spezza as your top four centers. How can you not hate that? He just played 15 and a half minutes on the big rink over in uh, Switzerland. Had an assist. Yeah. His team won 9-2. 15 and a half minutes on the big ice. One assist and a 9-2 win? Oh, he could have done so much more, man. That's he, his signing's he, a bust. Hey, it's not the numbers anymore. When, <laughs> when you're talking 35-plus. Look, the things that I took away from this signing is, one, he asked them to wait to announce it so that mm-hmm. he could call his former teammates on San Jose and let them know where he was going. Classy. Two, the tweets that came out afterwards from his former teammates, including Patrick Marlowe on his wife's Twitter. Um. Classy. The, the things they said about him, pure, pure class. And this is the mm-hmm. guy that you want in the dressing room, especially these young guys. They still need a little bit of coaching. They yeah. still need This is how you be a pro. This is how you, this is what you do on the ice. This is what you do off the ice. This is how you make it as a pro. And Patrick Marlowe loved in Toronto. His family loved in Toronto. I think the same is going to be said about Joe Thornton. I think he's going to love playing with the, with the young guys, with Marner, with, you know, uh, Matthews, you know, 
all those guys. I, I think he's going to love it. And I think it's a, an incredible signing. I can't wait to see what he does with the Leafs. And can we get this season underway right now, please? Yeah. Just came up short of a Stanley Cup in 2015-16, losing 4-2 to the, to the series in, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Honestly, I want him. I'm I'm just hoping for the opportunity that we could go in and watch a game because I really want to watch this team in person right now. Yeah. Obviously, circumstances, we can't. But I want to see the day where John Tavares gets the cup, passes it to Thornton, Thornton passes it to Spezza. I hope they still sign league minimum contracts for the next maybe two, three years because I want to see this happen so much. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, oh, he's going to be on the fourth line. No, he's capable of playing a third line role, even moving up to second line if he wants to. And if he and I'm thinking that maybe his wingers are going to be McKayev or Robertson. I think Robertson could be in the top six, but that could be debatable. And Kerfoot on the other side. I know Kerfoot has had better experience as center, but with his speed on the wing and even even like Thornton could even move off to the wing and then have Kerfoot play center after he takes a face off. I've seen that happen quite a bit. So that that as a third line right there, you have the speed, you have the intensity and you have the physical presence up the middle. What more do you want in a third line? No, 100 percent. And. That's what I mean. Like you can, you can stick him on the third line. He's still going to be successful for you. Stick him on the second power play unit right in front of the net. He's going to be successful for you. This signing could not be any better. And the value, it's low risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just a just a great signing for the Leafs. Like I said, I've got the jersey open up on my phone. I'm ready to order it. It's beautiful, ready to put man. it up on the wall. I love seeing it. And uh, yeah, like I'm. I we kind of thought that okay when I thought that maybe Joe Thornton would be like you know a good veteran presence I wasn't joking I seriously he could still play and he could still mentor the young guys having said that when everything was leading up to more Thornton and least have mutual interest kind of like the Wayne Simmons talk I'm like okay this is good and as soon as I saw that he signed in Davos, I'm like, oh, man, OK, I'm still being hopeful. Something could happen. I think he's just doing it. I mean, he was doing it just to like keep in shape. Right. Because let's face it, at his age, if he doesn't play any games, he could be rusty. He's playing at the pro level still. Yeah. And then the signing happened and I was absolutely ecstatic. Yeah, no, it's it's perfect for them. And I again, I think that we're going to be talking about this all year. So, I, you know, I. Can't say much more right now, but uh, I think it's going to be, you know, some somebody that we check in with on a regular basis as the leave season goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to uh, add one more thing to Thornton, uh, there yeah. was a conversation about like, you know, I, I posted uh, the center depth and how, you know, how we haven't seen anything like this. Right. Yeah. No, that's so, right. I mean, conversation, you know, there's uh, doubts about maybe, you know, how is he going to play away from Burns and Carlson and stuff like that? I looked at the numbers. Thornton had over a 50% possession rating, Corsi 4 percentage, both with and without Burns and Carlson, and still managed to produce 31 points with Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc, who was technically the second line and was moving up and down quite a bit. That is good value. If you could get 30 points out of him, that's a win. If you can get the possession numbers that you talked about out of him, that's a, that's a good win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, just going off of that, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the draft over the last couple episodes and, uh, obviously, you know, we look at, uh, organizational depth and, and what Toronto has coming up the pipeline. What are your thoughts on the top 10 prospects for the organization following this year's draft? Am I including Rasmus Sandin in this list? I, me personally, I would just because I don't think we've seen enough of him at the NHL level at this point. Fair enough. At the point, my top 10, Sandine, Robertson, Rodion Amirov, Hollander, Lilligren, Kokanen, Abramov, Villeneuve, Nimela, and Korshkov. So how many of those do you think we see this, this season? Only Sandine and Robertson. Mainly because yeah. they have the NHL experience. But if I'm looking at the organizational depth right now, I don't even know if that was 10 or 11. Uh, <laughs> if I went, if I, 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 still too early to count. If that was 10 <laughs> or 11, um, those are my top 10 slash 11. I'm going to, you know, and that's not even mentioning the fact that, you know, there's Roni Hirvonen, there's um, Akiyama, there's Nick Abruzzesi, who I thought was possibly at one point a top 10. Shows how much our depth is gone. At this point, the Argentina fell out. Axel Rendell is outside as well. Then again, he was an overager. But looking at those names right there, that's my top, my top prospects right there. And the depth that we have right now is just absolutely amazing, both up front and on the back end. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think you you nailed it with the top ten prospects. Um, I I don't think. Uh... I think there's a lot there's there's a very bright future for Toronto right now and you know you're going to hear the people that argue that you know signing these vets doesn't offer up an opportunity for some of these young guys it does offer an up, offer up an opportunity to these young guys it offers them the opportunity to develop properly in the system the way that they used to with the Detroit Red Wings yeah you know what you might not be the the franchise leader in games played when you're done your career but that said if they can develop you properly in the minors why not? And and give you the opportunity to come over here uh, and be ready for the NHL instead of just throwing you into the uh, into the blender and see what happens. So, yeah. See what happens. So me personally, I think you nailed it. I think the Toronto pipeline is looking fantastic, and um, I think they've done it exactly how you need to do it. We talk a lot about this five year rebuild, and they're just ending that. They're just coming to that the end of that five years right now. Mm-hmm. Um and what they have in store for the for the coming years, they can still trade away pieces and get legitimate NHL players and still have an incredible pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, you have to be happy with that. As a Leaf fan, you have to be happy with that. I mean, look at some of the moves. I, I hate to go back to Joe Sackett, but he's the model for this. Look at all the prospects that he has and all the mo- and some of the moves that he made. And he didn't even have to give up anything for Brown and Saad. You gave up nothing. You gave up absolutely nothing. You gave up picks for Devin Tays, but even then, your prospect pool is already stockpiled right now. Yeah. So, so if you can do that and, and just offer up picks uh, down the road for some guys like that, especially teams running into cap trouble down the road, you're laughing. Like, even right now, if Toronto gave up a second rounder, I would not be disappointed. I would probably keep their first rounder for 20 20- you would like to keep the first round pick as much as you want, but if there's a deal that comes that you can't refuse, then you have to give it up. Yeah. You're in this win now mode. Colorado's in a win now mode. They're moving picks. 
Leafs have to kind of do the same thing right now. You have your team built. You have your system built for maybe another five, six years down the line as well. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, just, uh, last final thing, I guess, for the episode, episode 11, um, here with Andrew and Peter, obviously, um, we, we had a quarantine question last, last week, and I think we're going to have to revamp this question, but, uh, we asked, what is the Maple Leafs best off season move so far? Um, we didn't get any responses to it in terms of, uh, another move that we didn't mention in, in the poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said we did, uh, 70 70.4% said the signing of TJ Brody was the best uh, offseason move to this point. Um, 14.8% said the signing of Wayne Simmons and the drafting of Brody and Amarov. And then nobody said bringing back Spezza. Not one <laughs> person. Sad. Come on. At least just 1% of you vote for him. Come on. So much hate for, for re-signing <laughs> Jason Spezza. But that said, like I said, I think we gotta we gotta revamp that now with Thornton coming in, Aaron Dell coming in, obviously. Um, part yeah, two off season. Part two, part two off season. So if you think Thornton's better than the signing of TJ Brody, obviously let us know. Yeah. Um, aside from that, Peter, uh, another great episode in the book. We have so much information coming at us right now with the off season in, in full swing, and um, you know we, we'll continue to bring all of the all of our listeners as much information as we can as much insight as we can as much opinion as we can uh that said we hope to get guests back on pretty soon um with a couple names floating around um but other than that uh great episode absolutely yeah um again honestly i don't think like the last two weeks i don't think we've talked about as many signings as we did in like episodes one to nine so Seeing all these numbers, having cap friendly open, having all the like, you know, stat sites open. It's like going back and forth on my computer right now. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Too much info. But you know what? I love it. It's great. And I'm glad to be doing this with you. And hopefully everyone is enjoying all the episodes out there. Yeah. And like I said, I'll say this every episode, guys. Um, Obviously, you know, listen to us. That's the first thing. We love having you guys listen to us. We love, uh, if you guys can give us any input, any questions you have that you want us to discuss on the pod, definitely throw them out there to us. Um, you know, hit us up on iTunes, hit us up on Spotify, make sure you follow, subscribe, rate, even send us a review. If you can, uh, take those five minutes, help us out so we can help you guys out. Um, you know, aside from that, we look forward to continuing to do this. And thanks for listening and have a safe and fun week until next week. Have a great one, guys. See ya.